following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. The King is alive, and he's, He is glorious. He, is, he, he exemplifies every attribute about um, for a king that we could possibly hope for or imagine. He is, he is so good. He is so kind. He is, he's powerful. He's near. He's with us. He has conquered sin and death, right? The, the, the sting, the sting is, is going to be completely removed. He's the resurrection and the life. And, and though we die, yet we shall live. And if we live until he returns, we shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's what he asked Martha, and Martha confessed him as Christ, as king. And look, it's so good to have a good king. And here's my, here's my honest conviction, that if you, if you know him, you'll love him. You'll love him. And obedience won't be something you have to do. It's something that you do out of love because you know him. Because you know him. And, and here's my other conviction. If you know him, you'll trust him. If you know him, you'll trust him. And that will be the greatest rest that you will ever have, is to rest in the fact that he is good and kind and present and, and he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. There's no conditions on that love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died in order to demonstrate the Father's own love for us. Like his his love abounds. And he wants us, as we talked about last week in the latter part of chapter 17 of John, like he wants us to be so one. He's empowered us to that, to that, to that end, right? By putting his spirit in us that has this glorious, this royal objective in order to unify us so that the world may know that the Father sent the Son. And, don't you love this, in the latter part of what we talked about last week, and that they may know that they are loved to the degree that, y- that you love me, he said. Do you know that God wants the world to know that he loves them as much as he loves his Son? How much does he love Jesus? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. My beloved Son. And he wants through, through the church, the, the hands and feet of Christ, those that are convinced that he's king and that he's good and he's kind and he's near and he's with us and he's willing and he's able. What's impossible for man is possible with him. Like when we live with those convictions, do we live differently? Do we love differently? Do we give differently? And it's not, even, it's not even us that's doing it. It's him doing it through his glorious, powerful presence and his Holy Spirit through our lives. And we get to be a part of that experience and we get to be refreshed as channels and instruments and branches of this true vine that, that longs to be so fruitful through our lives. And, and I'm talking about fruit that matters. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is what God wants to do. So as we come back to our context, our narrative, as we come back to, uh, to where we're at in, in this glorious moment in uh, Jesus' life, though painful, hard, um, we have so much to glean here and, and, uh, and get ready, strap in, get your Bibles open, get, this is going to be so, so good. So I, I want to mention that, um, 
you know, so we, we went through John 14 through 17. We finished at his high priestly prayer last week. Um, and we looked at like this, this journey uh, of really Thursday night to, to, to Friday and, uh, and all these, these incredible things that have transpired. We've spent months on what happened in hours in Jesus's life. And, um, and so he, he, he celebrated the Passover arguably early with his disciples, the, the first last supper um, he commemorated. He, he brought greater fulfillment and understanding. This is my body that is given for you. This is my blood that is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he goes on to, to walk uh, with his disciples out of the upper room into the garden where he is, he, he, he is submitted to the Father's will for this reason I have come, and then he is betrayed by Judas with a kiss, calls him friend, he's arrested, he is taken to the high priest. You know, all of this Thursday night is being unpacked, Peter's following at a distance, uh, comes to the, to the courtyard of the, the two high priests at the time, he, he warms himself by a charcoal fire while he denies that the very thing he said he would never do. He denies Jesus not once, twice, but three times, weeps bitterly and, and leaves this moment uh, just broken. Um, and, uh, and so we find ourselves where we left off like it's, it was Thursday night and, and they, they declare Jesus a blasphemer because he claims to be the son of God, which was what? true <laughs> like he he claims like listen in first century uh, jewish vernacular uh semantics understanding jesus was not pulling punches he clearly said i am god i'm the son of man son of god i am a man i'm here right and uh and they and they just wanted to hear it from his mouth and when he declared it they condemned him uh the next morning is where we're at now and keep in mind this is friday morning Right, hours from now, he will, he will be uh, crucified on a cross. He'll spend six hours from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. on this cross, where he will, his life will not be taken from him. He will give it. I, you know, no one takes my life. I lay it down on my own accord. You know, and and so like here we are on Friday morning. It's very early. They have bound Jesus and they're dragging him off. Uh, to Pilate, which is the governor, Rome's governor of this province, this Judean uh, area. And, uh, and we pick up the text here in, uh, in Luke 23. And it says this, Then the whole company of them arose, the company being the, uh, the chief priests and the scribes. Uh, they, they, they come together and they arose and brought him before Pilate. They began to accuse him. To Pilate saying, we found this man misleading our nation. Was Jesus misleading anybody? Right? Like what's interesting in this moment, he says, they say, uh, this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. You know, it's so, it's so ironic is that his words were give unto Caesar what is Caesar and give unto God what is God's. What is God's? Everything, Right. Right, so like in, in the midst of this, you know, like he's not misleading. They are misrepresenting him. They are giving false testimony. They are seeking to murder the author of life, 
right? They're the ones that are breaking the commandments. He's here to fulfill them. It's, it's, it's just an ironic moment where, where envy and pride and selfishness and jealousy is, is having its expression. And at the same time, which is, just blows our mind, God is accomplishing the, the redeeming plan of his providence and saving the world. Right? And he's walking it out to perfection just the way that, and, and it's ironic that those that would be most familiar with the, the Hebrew text are the ones that are completely confused and misled and driven by resentment, bitterness, pride, envy, and these things. Found this man, this is what they, they say to Pilate, that they found this man misleading the nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. What they're actually doing here is they're trying to solicit uh, Pilate's um, consent to, to, to send him to the cross, right? They're trying to manipulate the moment in order to get what they want. And saying that he himself, this is what they said, Jesus claims, which is true, that he himself is Christ, a king. In verse 3, it says, And Pilate asked him, and him being Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And he, Jesus, answers him, Pilate, you have said so. What, what he's saying there is, yes. As you have said, yes. And so then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying he stirs up people, teaches throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. And this is what uh, necessitates in, in Pilate's mind, well, if he's, if he's a Galilean, then Herod's in town. Let's send him there. We'll look at that next week. Now, what's so beautiful, what's so, what's so, uh, what's so wonderful about the Gospels is when we look at these various accounts in different Gospels, different moments, we see that there's other things going on at the same moment um, and w when we look at the, the Gospel of Matthew, we find out at this very same moment, Judas is in the temple filled with regret and, and declaring that, I have, dis that I, have, uh, I have betrayed innocent blood. Throwing the pieces, I'll read it to you. This is what's Matthew 27, 1 through 5. Same time frame, we see that in the context. It says, when morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. There's, there's their mission, there's their purpose. And that's not new, right? That's not, that's not new to their, to their motives. Verse 2, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. Now, we, we, have, a, we have a scene change Right, that we don't see in Luke, but Matthew brings this in, verse 3. Then when Judas, his betrayer, when you mm, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Now listen to what they say to him, like, Man, if someone came to a, a spiritual leader and says, I have sinned, I have, I have done a horrific thing, I'm wrong, right? You, you would hope that their response would be what? They, they, would, they would reconcile, they would pray, they would remind, in, in our context, share the gospel, help them to understand the grace of God and the forgiveness. This is what they say to him. 
He's saying, I have sinned and betrayed innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And it goes on to say in verse 5, And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. This is the sad tragedy of this one that God knew his, his beginning from his end was called for this purpose and he had no confidence in Christ. He had no faith in the Lord. And we don't have, I'm, the, the Lord has not led me to focus on this moment, but, but one that John then transitions to and helps us to understand. The beauty of John's gospel, uh, and we're going to look at uh, John 18, if you want to turn with me, uh, 28 to 38. Uh, this is the same moment that's being unpacked by Matthew 27 and by Luke 23. And um, as we've been in John 14 to 17 over the last several months, we notice that John brings in elements and details that are not familiar to the other Gospels. And these are rich moments where we see uh, a dialogue that, that actually happens that's just alluded to in Luke, but that we, we get the details of that dialogue between Pilate and Jesus, and we get details of that moment. And so... Follow with me as we then are going to spend some time here looking at this precious moment where Pilate pulls Jesus aside and questions him uh, and, uh, and, and, and has some rich dialogue uh, that I believe leads to some conclusions on Pilate's part. Then they led Jesus, verse 28 of John 18, then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas, which we've already heard, to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. We're talking Friday morning now. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters. Why? So that they would not be defiled, but would eat the Passover. <sighs> They're more concerned about being unclean than murdering the author of life because they don't see him for who he is. And what's ironic about this, and I, 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 I have some comments later, like what's so ironic about this is the very lamb that they will slaughter later that day to commemorate the Passover, the, the deliverance of God through the shed blood, the very, like what's so ironic is the lamb himself is being led to the slaughter and they're doing it. Like, and they're, and they're worried about being able to eat feast later, which is the commemoration of this very moment that they are the instigators of. And yet, what is so powerful here and so clear as we'll look in Acts is God is accomplishing his purpose to perfection. And at the same time, man is, is, is operating in a contrary motive. And, and God, this is so comforting to us that God is gloriously getting his will done. You know, we always go back to Genesis 50 and uh, what, what Joseph said, because it's so clarifying what man intended for evil, God intended for good. And don't we see that right at this moment? Like, here they are intending evil, and at the same time, what is God up to? Saving the world redeeming and rescuing and and jesus is all in on the father's plan at this point he's fully submitted to seeing his very words realized through his obedience to the father's will and we can learn so much 
So verse 29, um, so Pilate um, went outside to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? They answered, if this man were not doing evil, wow, how, how blinded, right? Like, like, and here's the thing, how many are righteous? We said this in class. How many are righteous according to the word of God? None, not one. Right, this was, this, w- Paul always says this over and again, weren't we too blind to his divinity, his glory? His, but once we have been given the, the blessing of, of seeing Christ for who he is, do you know what the Christian life is really all about? Knowing him and making him known. Because like, it, it's, you know, eternal life is literally knowing him and the Father. It's knowing him. That is eternal life, to know him. Because you will trust him if you know him. At the end of the day, what does it say? We'll talk a lot about this this morning. At the end of the day, it says, Jesus says, depart from me for I did not know you. Do you know what, what the Christian life's all about? Knowing him. Getting to know him. Do you know that, 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 that the word of God is a self-revelation of the God of the universe, the king of glory. The Lord, he says, he says, you know, like, what did Jesus come to do? Show us the Father, right? He's the exact imprint. You know, the prophets in the past, like, the, 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 this was a, a dim reflection of who he, and then Jesus came to show us his daddy. And not just show us, but give us. He said, our Father, who art in heaven. And so, um, as we, as we move on the text, um, if, this were, if this man were not doing evil, would, uh, would, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful based on Roman law for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Do, do you see here in verse 32 that Jesus is, is, is in complete accord with the Father's will? And such a good example to us. Like the challenge for us is to be in complete accord with the Father's will. And when we know him, we'll love him. When we know him, we'll trust him. And when we do, we want his will more than we want our very own. We will share Jesus' prayer. Not my will, but your will be done. And when we, when, when we trust him and know that, there is a peace because we know that the word of God does not return void, but it always accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. We, we are confident in our king and his word. Verse 33 says, So Pilate entered into the, the headquarters again and called Jesus. Now we get an inside look here. And called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Guys, did, did Jesus know he was the king? Was he confident in that conviction? Did he, did he know who he was, where he came from, and where he was going? Fully confident. You know what that compelled him to do? To wash feet. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He knew who he was. And that, that confidence, in, confidence in his father, he knew he couldn't lose his identity, who he was. L- listen, Jesus didn't lose his life. 
he gave up his body as a, as a sacrifice, right? He gave life. Jesus answered, so he doesn't even, as most of the time Jesus does, he doesn't answer his question, he, he answers his heart. He says, he answered, do you say this of your own accord? And did not, uh, did, did others say this to you about me? Listen, this is what pe- Jesus is doing here. Remember when he said to the disciples, he said, you will be brought before kings and rulers. And when you do, don't worry about it because my spirit will put the very words in your mouth to do what? To share the gospel. For, for what purpose? For their salvation, for their rescue. And what is Jesus doing here? If we see it, he is modeling that moment for right now. He is seeking the, 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 the rescue of Pilate. You know, are you, are, you, are you recognizing me for who I truly am? Do you say this on your own accord, he says? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests. You know, it's like Pilate, Pilate rejects this whole, like, I mean, Jesus is offering him like understanding, revelation, enlightenment, like right here. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. Do you, what have you done? And when he asked this question, this is what he's really asking. He's saying, what have you done wrong? Right? That's what he's asking. What have you done wrong? I love Jesus' answer here in verse 36. Jesus answered, he didn't, does he answer that question? Because Jesus did how many things wrong? What did he do wrong? No, he, he, is, he is the right, he's the righteousness of God. And so are we in him. So like, if he, this is what he says. My kingdom, interesting, my, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom, if you're, if you're saying that you have a kingdom, what does that make you? Right, so did he answer his question? Right, so like, But he says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting, would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king, right? He he gets what he's saying, right? Jesus answered, now this is beautiful. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Again, affirming his his statement, as if he's making it as a proclamation, not just a question. For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world. This is, why would he say, for this purpose, I am born, and for this purpose, I am come into the world? He is pointing out that he is not only born human to be king, but that he came from, he came from out of this world in this world to be king. He is pointing to his humanity and his divinity at the same time. I was born um, for this purpose. For what purpose? To be king, right? To, to demonstrate his, his, his authority, right? Which is like his rule. Anybody want his rule? Anybody so thankful that he is, uh, he is your, he's your king, and that his reign is, his reign is so beneficial and, and amazing for us. Um, he says, so you are a king, Jesus answered. You say that I, came, I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. To the truth. We'll talk about that. Everyone who is of the truth 
listens to my voice. If you're of the truth that he's king, you're going to do what? You're going to listen to his voice. And that word listen isn't talking about just hearing. It's talking about obedience. It's John 10. Remember the, sh- the shepherd and his sheep, they know his voice and he knows theirs and they are attentive and they listen. When he calls, they move. So everyone who is of the truth that I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords listens to my voice. Doesn't that make sense? Right? When, you're con- when your conviction is that he is king and I am his servant and I am a citizen of his kingdom and we are confident in his care and we, we love him and trust him like we listen to his... Do you listen to his voice? There's a, do you know that there's a lot of voices out there? There's a lot of voices beckoning for your listening. And, and what we listen to um, really depicts what we believe. What, when I say listen, what we listen with obedience to. Pilate says this to that, to that end. He says, Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, you know, in, I wish he'd have said, I wish he'd understand that, that truth himself. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Like, I wish he understood that truth was standing right in front of him. Like, truth personified is in your presence. And to some degree, to some degree, he is convinced. Now, why would I say that? I want you to know that as I studied forward from here, and many of us already knew this, is that Four times going forward from here, this, he refers to him as the king of the Jews. Like, a matter of fact, the king of the Jews, the king of the Jews. In fact, to, to this end, he actually puts the, in three languages on his cross the king of the Jews. And then he says, it's done, and I will not change that. There, something And listen, I think when we have an encounter with Jesus, and I love that Jesus is in the throes of dying for the world and he is concerned about Pilate's salvation. Like, is that not fantastic? You know, that that, that similarly we see that the thief on the cross, he joins his fellow thief at the beginning of the crucifixion and he is mocking Jesus. But at the end of four to six hours because it's towards the end of this of that experience we find out that he says how we stop mocking him we're guilty he's innocent right and then he looks to jesus and he says when you know lord when you came into your kingdom remember me and he says today you will be with me in paradise Right? Like it's these encounters with Jesus that transforms people's understanding that this is no, this is no simple man. This is, this is the God-man. And he is innocent. Pilate declares, right? Listen to what he says here. It says, it says after he had said this, he went outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. That's his conclusion after a brief encounter with Jesus and a conversation that really doesn't give him answers as much as questions that are meant, that's really meant to investigate his heart as it relates to who he is. So here's some thoughts. Killing Jesus 
had been their objective for some time. We know that, speaking of the, the, this, this group that's brought Jesus to Pilate. This murderous council had to have Rome's approval in order for crucifixion to be a part of the equation. Listen, they didn't ask for Rome's approval when they drugged Stephen out here in, in days ahead and stoned him to death. They didn't. But for crucifixion to be a part of the equation, it required Rome's involvement. And Jesus had said over and over and over and over and over again that he would be crucified. And, and all the prophets attest to this, whether you read Psalms 22 that talks about his hands and feet being pierced and that is, is, is close. I mean, this is thousand years before the cross. And that dogs would encompass him, which they referred to them as dogs, as Gentiles. We look at Isaiah 53, and we see that this, it's almost as if Isaiah was standing at the cross depicting every moment. 730-odd years before it even happened. So crucifixion was a part of God's plan before crucifixion was even a thing, before Rome was even an empire. Guys, what, what am I saying? I'm saying God knows. He knows, and he's got it all mapped out. And it, it's in his plans that we put, it's in his character, it's in his name that we put our trust. Because do you believe that God's will is going to be done? And what about your will? Is your will going to be done? Which side of the equation do you want to be on? And so, like, let's put our trust in his word, in his will, Let's, let's live that confident that he's going to, like every single thing he says is coming to fruition. His word does not, right, come back void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. It is incredible how God's will and man's plans collide here, right? It's, an, it's amazing. But, but who gets victory? Who overcomes, Right? God does. Sometimes, every time. It might not be in our timeline, but does, does what God promised come to fruition? Is your confidence firm in that? Because like faith will be required of that trust that we place in his word. They could not be any more different in their, their intentions, speaking of God's will and man's plans. They were a total contrast. Right? I, I, I put it this way. One was taking life while the other was giving life. To be specific, one was taking his life while he was giving life. And, and yet, God accomplished the, the rescue of the world. And so, let's remember, Jesus was not a victim, but a victor. Right? Let's not ever have that, 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 that perception of this moment in Jesus' life. He didn't lose, he won. He won the redemption of the world. And he did it through following God's plan and heart and will and purpose to perfection, fulfilling every single pr prophetic utterance that God had made. Right? He did it motivated by, by demonstrating the Father's love, bringing grace to, 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 a, to a dilemma that was hopeless, he brought hope. And it's a hope that's eternal, that is, not, that is not something that will ever be put to shame. Because it's, you know why it will never be put to shame? Because it's written in his name. That's why. 
we can trust his name. Like he is faithful. Jesus through one perfect offering, this is Hebrews 10, 14. We talked about this a few weeks back. Jesus through one perfect offering made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified. That's what, that's what, that's what Hebrews 10, 14 says. That through one perfect offering, God made us right with himself. Righteous. Do you know that in Christ, that we are the righteousness of God? Like, how is that possible if not that it's not about what I've done, but what he's done? Like, he, he shared his, his relationship with the Father. He shared his resume with us. He, he actually gave us his name. That's why it's a marital, there's marital language here. He, he gave us his name. I remember just asking Jack and Alana, like, how do you want me to introduce you? By the way, congratulations. March 16th is coming, Alana. This is going to be so exciting. Like, um, but like, but like we, the, the bride takes the bridegroom's name and everything that comes with that name, right? The inheritance, the, the accol- all of it, the glory, everything. Like it's, it's, it's given to us. It's offered to us. In Christ, God made, God's perfect plan to save the world was being realized. In the midst of hatred, and bitterness, jealousy, all of that. I, I want to read this to you. Peter, um, after the resurrection, after the uh, ascension and uh, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, G- Peter and, and John go to Solomon's colonnade or porch. And in, in Acts chapter 3, we get an account of this. There's a guy that's been sitting there that's lame and has been lame for 40 years, like it, and, and he's healed. Remember, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. And, uh, uh, and then you can imagine, do you think that would cause a little bit of commotion? Right, so like, so like all of a sudden these people are gathering and they're, they're like, whoa, what's going, like look, wow. And this is what Peter says. The God of Abraham, Acts, this is Acts 3, 13 to 15. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Just make sure we know who, which God we're talking about here. Our God, our good God, the God, uh, the I am, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. Now, he is saying that he's alive, he's glorified. He, the very thing we talked about that he prayed for uh, last week in his high priestly prayer, done deal. He's seated, he's glorified, he's king whom you, listen to what he says here, the God of our fathers glorified our servant Jesus, whom you delivered over. Now he's pointing to the people, to the crowd here, right? He says, who you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. If anybody knows, like who's talking here? Anybody knows anything about denial and reconciliation? He knows, right? When it says here, Oh, yet you denied, you delivered him over and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he had, speaking of Pilate, decided to release him. You insisted, right, with the help of your leaders. Listen, listen to verse 14. But you denied the holy and righteous one. All capitals, by the way. That's who he is. And asked for a murderer, Barabbas, to be granted to you Verse 15, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses. We, with emphatic conviction, eyewitnesses 
of a risen Jesus. Not once, not twice, not three, four, over and over again. Right? 500 people saw the risen Savior. Acts 3, 17, a little bit later, a couple verses later, this is what he says. And I, I bring this in because this, that, that's not where it ends. Because Peter knows. Peter knows what, what repentance and reconciliation looks like firsthand. Verse 17, he says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Like, do you hear the grace of God here? Like, Jesus died for those that killed him. Do you think that, that he was modeling love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you? Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Turn the other cheek. Like that this is, a, this, is, this is what Jesus did. Like entrust yourself to a faithful creator who judges justly when you are being unfairly like persecuted. Like he, he lives this out and then offers his redemption, his reward to those that killed him through repentance, through grace. Verse 18, but this is what it says. Listen to the sovereignty of God uh, in, in this. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, speaking of all of Christ's life and ministry, over 300 prophets, arguably 333, like over 300 prophetic promises because, you know, the whole Old Testament is pointing to Jesus, all of it. Right, like, and and uh, and it's all fulfilled in Jesus's life and ministry and sacrifice. He says, for, "By but what God foretold by the by the mouth of the prophets, that His Christ would suffer, He thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore. This is what He's calling those that He has just pointed to and said, "You did it. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing. Did you hear that?" that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send, this is our future hope and promise and, and reality, send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the, by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Oh, isn't that good? Right, that God, 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 I mean, like here, the Holy Spirit through Peter is declaring that like you killed the author of life. You denied him before Pilate. You, you're the one that when he wanted to let him off, you insisted. And then what is he calling him to? Like, what? But, but it's done, right? I mean, I've, I've sinned. It's over. I, I got to face, face the music. No, that's not what he says. He said, God's the whole reason so that God could be merciful and cover your sin debt and rescue you from, from complete separation but from, from death to life. Repent. Repent that time of refreshing might come. Like, wow. So let's look at this, this John 18 to 28 passage uh, a little bit more intimately and, and unpack it. Then, then it says that in verse 28, then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas uh, to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So I, I'm going to get real practical here, and this is where it's going to really kind of resonate with each of our hearts because we, we, we can identify here, if we're honest. They are concerned about being defiled. Can we follow religious practices and be at odds with God? I, I think it can go even further than that. 
was Pilate trying to get Jesus off? He was so concerned about the implications of this, he washes his hands hoping that will remove any guilt or responsibility. And so we see this kind of like this, this, but was Pilate at odds with God's will even trying to get him off? It reminds me of Peter. Peter says, no, I'm not going to let you go to Jerusalem because like they'll kill you there. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan, for you do not have in mind the will of God, but the will of man. Right? Like, so, so like, wow. I mean, like, in our religious practices, we can be, we can be completely at odds with God. So what is our warning here? So let's be careful. Like, let's not throw it all out. Like, that's not the point. But let's, you know, why did, why did Cain kill his brother Abel? You know, I thought about this. Like, what's the warning here? Why did Cain kill his brother Abel? He was jealous. Of what? God's approval, right? Of, of his first and best, of his offering. What, what was Jesus doing? For one perfect offering. Like he was making the perfect offering. Was God approving of Jesus' offering? And here's the, here's the brothers, the Jewish brothers, right? The, the, the brothers. And they're jealous. And they're envious. And they're angry. And they're upset. Right? Like, why was Cain... Like, does it make sense that Cain is mad at Abel? Abel just did what was right. But he faced the condemnation of, of Cain. Remember what God says to Cain? He says... Sin is knocking at your door and it seeks to have you, but you must master it, right? And we, we don't have, Jesus was the master over sin, right? He, he's, the, he's the perfect, because did, did, Cain, did Cain realize the, the victory in that moment? No, but where Cain failed, Jesus was victorious, Right? And he faced all of the envy, jealousy, pride, and anger from his brother. Is there someone you need to forgive from the heart? Guys, I'm, I'm telling you unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, pride, this will cloud our, like, I don't want to say judgment, I'm going to say something more profound. Like, this will cloud our, our, our ability to see him. Because it's his presence that transforms us. And we're, let me, let me be very clear. Forgiveness is a miracle. Right? It requires the Holy Spirit to get that done to the level that we're called to. Because we're called to forgive as we've been forgiven. If you don't forgive, right, you're basically declaring that you don't know what I've given you. You don't, you don't know me. So is there someone you need to forgive from the heart? Because it is that that's going to cloud your perception of God's heart, plan, will, word even. Is there someone that, someone you are envious, jealous of, or angry with? Is there? I'm going to tell you, leave your gift at the altar and go make that right. Right? Like, like if anything, like, it's an incredible statement that Jesus makes. He's saying that this is more important than worship. That's, a, that's an incredible statement that Jesus says. It's more important than offering, like this, this is more. 
mercy over sacrifice. Like, go and, and make that right. We're even told in Matthew 5, 21 to 24, that anger and murder are related. We're told that when we have an adulterous heart in James 4, that this will lead to, to, uh, to, to, to murderous acts among, among in relationships. Man, diagnose that under the help, with the help and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and get that right. You're the prisoner. You're the one drinking the poison when you choose to be unforgiving and not offer what you've been given. Live out the, the love, grace, and forgiveness we have received, right? Does the scripture, does the New Testament like compel us to that? And does it, are we not empowered to see that to fruition? Everything that Jesus preached, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, is saying that this is what ideal righteousness, this is what God intended, but what's impossible for man is possible with God through, through the work of the cross and the Lord Jesus Christ and the pouring out of his spirit. We have a supernatural power to do miraculous things like forgiveness from the heart, the way Jesus forgave us. Man. Verses 29 through 32 says this, So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They said to him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to him, Take him yourself and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word, so important here, the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And this was not the first time. They said to Jesus, what, uh, I'm sorry, they said Jesus was doing evil, right? That's what they said. They, make, they made false testimonies with murderous intentions. See, here's the question. We treat others the way that we see them. Did they see him as the son of God? Their Messiah? Their king? Did they? Because if they did, they would worship him as Mary did. Right? They would follow him as the disciples did. Right? And, and, and that's true for us. We see people, and if you want to jot down a, a, a reference here, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and then 17. Like, the challenge for us is that we, we're given new eyes. We're given new hearts. We're called to see others the way God sees them. And when we do, now we can treat them the way the Father wants us to treat them. He wants us to, and I'm talking about the perpetrator, the one that did this and that to you, the one that you right now are struggling to love because you hate him. And that's not, that's not the way of the word. That's not the way of the Lord, right? And, and the miracle is this, is that we can't, but he can. And he will. And guess who gets set free? Guess who gets liberated? Guess who experiences joy? Guess who gets the benefit, the blessing of this, this reconciled relationship and the healing that comes? Like, we treat others the way that we see them. And so, like, don't we need God to show us his heart for others? That, that's how we should pray right? When we have resentment, you know what we do? We project bad intentions. You automatically assume that whatever they do is, I, automatically, like everything they do is wrong. Everything they do is malicious, 
And, and really, the problem isn't them. It's your heart. You are, you, you are imposing the intentions upon them that most of the time is not even the case. And really, it's not even about that. It's about you honoring God through the power of the Holy Spirit to love them and to breathe the grace that's being breathed over your life. We don't see the best but, as, but assume the worst when we have anger and bitterness and resentment and jealousy in our hearts. And isn't that exactly what they did? Because look, Jesus, Jesus was the righteous one. He was love personified. He was perfect. He was amazing. And all they could do is see fault in him. Was there any fault in him? So don't you see the danger here? That we can actually see fault in righteousness and treat people with contempt because we have a bitter heart. And you know what we want to do in that moment? We want to do what we did from the very beginning. We want to we blame them. We want to cover it up and we want to hide from it. And we want to think that it goes away, but you know what happens? Let me tell you this. Your heart becomes hard. And... And, and, and it, it affects everything. And God is relentless for your healing. That's why he will constantly bring this to you and remind you. And the sooner you do it, the better. Because you're going to grow callous to this conviction. Today is the day of salvation. Sanctification. They gave false testimony about Jesus. They broke two commands. They committed murder, all of that. Right, and here's Jesus, the righteous one, fulfilling God's plan to perfection, becoming the righteous. It is, it is interesting that they later stoned Stephen to death, saying that they couldn't do these things, but they did. The details of the Father's plan was realized to perfection. And there's the, here's the conclusion. As man carries out his will, God perfectly accomplishes his. We can't miss that. What side of the equation do you want to be on? Right? I mean, li listen to how Acts chapter 2, this is a part of Peter's like Pentecostal prayer uh, or, or preaching. This is his first preaching moment under the compulsion and the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just taking a snippet of it, but this is what he says. Men of Israel, hear these words. Now he's talking to a crowd that probably were, were, were there for the previous feast, which was Passover, and they were a part of Jesus' crucifixion, right? I mean, this would, have been, this would have been big news in the Jewish nation, right? So men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God. How? God revealed him, his Messiah to you, his son to you, with mighty works and wonders and signs. These signs were uh, signs that pointed to who he was, right? That God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, you, you know. Verse 23, this Jesus, listen, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Like, God planned it, and man had his part in it, and there's culpability for man's choices, yet all, the all along, God is perfectly accomplishing his purpose. If you understand that, please let me know, okay? But, but that's, 
like whenever we try to, to put that in perspective, that's God. He is sovereign. And, and trust me, you had no control of your eye color, where you were born, who you were born to. What, 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 what we have will over is very, very finite. What God has will over is everything. Right? And um, it's so good. Verse 24, God raised him up. Who raised him up? God raised him up. Right? Father, Son, and Spirit raised him up, loosening the powers of death. Because why? It was, it was not possible for him to be held by it. Speaking of death. Be why, why is that? Because he had no sin. Now, can I ask you a question? If God is completely, has he completely relieved you of your sin debt? Like all of it? Like all of it? Is that what Christ did? Then can death hold you? Like, like come on, people. Like, come on. <laughs> Beloved, listen. Like, this is the greatest news the world's ever heard. You, you will never, like, though you die, though, though you might shed this tent, this, you, will, you will live, Right? This, this is what Jesus has done. We had a destination of death. And Jesus changed our course, our pattern, our purpose. He changed, uh, like he, he, he's, he's not only made us new, he's given us hope and a new everything. Right? And he's going to bring all of that to greater fruition as we trust him as, as the day approaches. Right? I finish with the latter part of John 18, 33 to 38. Listen to what it says. So Pilate entered his, 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 his uh, headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your, of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done wrong? What have you done wrong? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world, from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to that truth, to, to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in this man. It's just interesting how the thief on the cross said he's innocent. Like, after just that briefing, you know, like, I mean, it's obvious, right, when you're in his presence. But, so here's some final thoughts. Jesus is breaking ground for the gospel. You will go before, as I mentioned earlier, kings and, and rulers. He is, he is seeking to harvest. He's, he's, trying to, he's still ministering here. After this, Pilate refers to Jesus as the king of the Jews, as I mentioned four times, posted above the cross. This brief encounter with Jesus convinces Pilate of his innocence. That's, that's the, I mean, I'm not trying to draw too many conclusions here, but that's stated, and he sought his deliverance, right? He becomes his advocate. Like, why does he care? He's seen something. He's experienced something, and it's not just his wife's dream. Like Peter, Pilate is at odds with heaven's will, 
right? Because for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This was, Jesus was in the dead center of God's will and he was going to that cross. Do you believe that his will is better than yours? Guys, that's, that's the conviction of the saint. That's what moves us beyond moments of, of is, is putting our faith in God, in his name, his character, his will, his promises, his faithfulness, as we sung about this morning. Paul is a great example here on his second missionary journey. Briefly, I'll share this. He's on a second missionary journey. He's heading uh, from Galatia. He's encouraged those. He's strengthened the saints, as it says. And he's moving into what's you know, known as, as, as uh, Asia Minor. And, uh, and he, is, he, is, he has this passionate desire to go into Bithynia. Okay? I, I, like, what's wrong with that? He wants to go share the gospel in another region that's yet to be shared. He wants to go share the gospel there. And it says that the Spirit prevented him. I want to tell you two things about that moment. So like, like, like you know, it, there, there are times where there are some things that would seem like, of course God would want this. Of course God would, would author this and approve of this. And it's not even, it's not his will, right? It, it was his will that his son should suffer, right? Because he's got a bigger plan and we don't understand and we got to trust him, right? And it's interesting to me, here's the, t- the two things I want you to know. That God said no to that turn, to go north, and he told him to, 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 to go to Macedonia through a vision. You remember this? And do you know who he picks up on the way? Because the text changes from them to we. The author of Acts, the author of a book that we've just been through for two and a half years, right? Luke. He meets Luke, the physician, who is, is you know, he speaks about all kinds of people throughout his letters. He always has great accolade for the, for the physician Luke. And Luke ends up being the, the, the Holy Spirit-driven author of both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, right? And do you know what else is so cool about this? It's, you know, later on, Paul gets to go to Bithynia. So you know what the issue was? Timing. Guys, you might be in something right now that you're just not getting your will done. And you are convinced it's his will. And you don't understand. And it might not, it might not be his will now. It might, not, it might not be happening now. Can you, can you lay that aside and just trust him? Can you put your faith in him that though things aren't happening along your timeline? You know, Jesus understands because he said, Father, take this cup from me. But then he said this, not my will, your will be done. And that's what that's that's what the that's the Christian life, right? Like that we subscribe to his will and forsake our own. We pray that even Jesus leads us to. I'll give you one more example. It, it's a good bad example. Okay, good bad example. How many of you remember Balaam from the Old Testament? Okay, so so this uh, this pagan king comes to him. He's heard the resume of, of Israel's chosen people. They've been out there long enough to know that God's on their side and, and there is their reputation. his reputation goes before them, like with Rahab. And, uh, and they, he wants these people cursed, right? Because he doesn't want it to, to mean his demise. And he goes to Balaam, who's a seer, right? And he says, I want you to come and bless these people. I mean, uh, curse these people, right? You could, you could see them coming, right? Two, mil- arguably millions of people, right? 
And so Balaam says, I will do nothing that God doesn't leave. I won't do it unless God tells me and I'm not, do- I'll seek the, so he seeks the Lord and the Lord says, no, I'm, I, I'm blessing them, right? So he, he says, I won't go with you. I'm not doing it. Uh, you can go back and tell him whatever you want to tell him, but I'm not going because God said no. So then they come back again and say, well, we'll give you lots of money. We'll give you more. We'll give you all of this if you come. And he's like, ooh, well, maybe I should pray about that again as if God's will would change. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying here? And you know what's the most like, like, like sobering part of that is that God says, go ahead, go. And then he totally confronts him and rebukes him, right? Because, guys, look, um, God knows our hearts. And when we want our way, as Romans 1 says, you know, or the prodigal son, he'll even resource us for the journey to the far-off land because he has a greater perspective on that moment because he knows that, you know, unless you get it, you're not going to know how empty and how fruitless this is. But hopefully you come to your pig's pen because I'll bring a famine and you'll come to your senses and you'll realize that it's always been better at home with me, right? Trust me. Abraham is also a good and bad example, right? Abraham says, I go to a land that I will show you, right? He's in, the, he's in Ur of the Chaldeans, the cradle of life. He, you know, and, and, and he goes. He doesn't even know where he's going. He's just, he's just going, knowing, counting on the promise that he's going to be given a land. And he does. And he is given. But then a, a famine comes, which is a test, not once but twice. And he, and he fails both times. Both times, he's never told to go anywhere. But because of the circumstances, please don't miss this. Because of the circumstances, he leaves. And the perception is, is that he gets blessed by Pharaoh with all this stuff. That's not a blessing. What does it cause? It causes relational conflict between him and Lot's. Like, guys, um, man, don't move without God's permission. Don't move. And don't let anything motivate you just because it's going to be hard or it's going to be more money or it's going to be... Th- like, listen, what, 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 what supersedes all of that? God's will. God's will. And Jesus walked out the Father's will even though it was painful and it was hard and it was resistant to his very nature. Jesus' kingdom or reign had no earthly origin. That's what he tells us here in verses 36 to 38. Heaven was its own source. Heaven was the source of his kingdom, right? Jesus' spiritual kingdom, now stick with me here because I'm wrapping up, but listen to what it says here. Jesus' spiritual kingdom sought to conquer the soils of our hearts. He had greater ambitions Right? That, that weren't locked into some limited time frame like Roman's empire. Eternity. Aren't you thankful that we're sitting here in 2024 seated with the, the kingdom of God because of the work that Christ did 2,000 years ago? Right? Powerfully through the seed of truth, his word. Right? That's what he's talking about here. Not by force, but by forgiveness. That is such a foreign concept to our, to our, to our ears sometimes. We, we, do, are you putting your trust in chariots and horses? 
and military might and, and force, right? Or are you trusting in the Lord? His servants were not fighting for his deliverance. Don't miss this. This might be the soundbite. Jesus was fighting for ours. And he did it. Paul says, I fight the good fight of faith. Jesus did not say he would not have a kingdom on earth. He didn't say that. But that his kingdom is not from the world, but from heaven. Jesus says that he came into the world, this world, to be its king. That's what he's saying. Jesus was declared, was declaring his deity to Pilate. What truth? What truth? He is not a king. He's not a king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. This is what he was saying. Roman's weapon was the sword. Jesus declared that his word, the truth, was more powerful. More powerful. It is interesting that truth himself was right in front of Pilate. If you know the truth, he will set you free. That's what he's saying. That's what we need to understand. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I finish with this, this question. Do you know him? Hello? Do you know him? Do you know him? Not know about him. Do you know him? Right? This, this is the journey that we, the privileged journey that we have to get to know our Lord and Savior, to get to know our bridegroom, to be known by him. Right? Listen to what, what, what this is a, a memory verse. L listen to what it says here. And I finish. See what kind of love. I don't think I even put this in the slides. I didn't. Um, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that he did, that it did not know him. Beloved, remember that you're loved of God. Beloved, we are God's children now. Good morning, hello. <laughs> like we are, we are God's children now and what we will be. Now, now look, I love that he says, like you're God's kids, like you're God's children. And he's saying what we will be, like it, it, what is he saying? It gets better. Better than that? Like it says, and what we will be has not yet appeared. And what he's really saying is, who we will be has not yet appeared. Because he goes on to say, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Right? Why? Because he sh we shall see him as he is. Guys, here's the point. How are we transformed? Not by our effort, not by our might, not by trying to change our behavior, by beholding his glory. That's why truth is so critical. That's why we're sanctified by truth and the spirit is because as the word of God becomes, the, 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 we, we, we see the, the person of Jesus Christ. Remember in Luke chapter five, Peter is in a boat. He's, he's called him master, 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 right? But all of a sudden, like he, Jesus says, go into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. He told him he didn't want to go. He says, but because you said so, I will go. And it says, when he had done so, they caught so many fish that their boat began to sink. They start filling James and John's boat. That boat begins to fit. And, and, and Peter should be exceed. Like we're, we're going, Peter's probably really happy, right? No. He's 
trying to kneel in a boat full of fish that's about to sink and he doesn't care about the fish anymore because he has realized he's not, he doesn't call him master anymore. He says, Lord, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Guys, and, it, and, and the scripture calls him not Peter. It doesn't call him Simon anymore. It calls him Simon Peter. Why? Because when we behold his glory, when we walk in obedience, right? Just because he said so. And, and he, he reveals himself to us. That's exactly what John 14, 21 says. That when you obey me out of love, I'm going to manifest myself. To, I'm going to show you the Father. And so, like... Truth by his spirit. The spirit urges us to obey him in truth, to trust him. It, we declare him king. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It's a lie. It's not true of you. Right? Th those who know the truth, listen to my voice. Those that know the truth, that I am king of kings and Lord of lords, they listen, they do what I say. And what happens is they are transformed by his presence, by his revelation. He reveals himself to us in those moments. We are changed by taking him in. And that changes how we understand how we're transformed. And verse 3 says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And we do that by seeking him abiding in him uh, uh, you know like if you abide in me and in my love and in my word my joy will be in you and your joy complete right and where's the, what's the source of joy his spirit his presence man i hope that's a blessing to you today like blessed me like so good let's uh let's pray if there's anyone here that's never trusted that's never seen jesus as the king that he is but this morning god by his spirit has just shown you that that's the king. And, uh, and I, want, I, want, I want to be in his kingdom. I want him to plant his kingdom by his spirit in my heart. If that's you this morning, man, stand with me now. And I'm going to pray. Uh, if you're here this morning and you just need to declare yet again, he's king. And I'm, I'm his kid. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm listening to his voice. Stand with me. Uh, and if you're here and, and, and none of that applies to you, stand with me because we're going to pray. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are good and that, Lord Jesus, you came to, to tell us the truth, that you're a king and that you've come to, to bring your kingdom for this purpose. You were born and came into the world. And uh, thank you that you've come to set captives free, that you've come to ransom us and rescue us, to redeem us from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. Uh, from darkness into your marvelous light. And so thank you for rescuing us. Uh, increase our faith, Lord. Help us to trust you in every circumstance, not to walk uh, in our will, but your will, and to honor you in all that we do. Please, if there's any root of bitterness, envy, uh, unforgiveness, pride, uh, jealousy in our hearts, Lord, would you reveal that um, and, and help us to lay our, 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 even our worship aside and go and make right these things that, uh, that can be so destructive and, and cloud our vision of you and how we see others. We love you, Lord. Uh, open our hearts to a further understanding of who you are. Help us to trust you in all that we do. And we, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in 
St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.